With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. This is John Middlecoff from 3 and Out with John Middlecoff. Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. The Volume. Darwin. The Nerds is where it's at. Welcome everybody back into Nerd Sesh. As always, I'm Carson Brever and alongside me is Logan Camden. And oh my goodness, Logan, if the NBA isn't where amazing happens, here we were thinking we would just have to get ready for our big live draft show tonight. And instead, the NBA gives us a couple of big deals that we've got to react to. And we're going to start by talking about Chris Paul heading to the Golden State Warriors in exchange for Jordan Poole, a 2030 first round pick that will be top 20 protected, a 2027 second rounder, and Ryan Rollins. Logan, what's your take on this move and what it does for the Warriors? Well, I like it for the dubs. Uh, You get off of a guy like Jordan Poole first. Uh, I don't think Jordan Poole is worth the big contract that he's on. It gives them a little bit of flexibility moving forward. But I also just don't think Jordan Poole is a winning asset through and through, right? Jordan Poole does a lot of really nice, crazy things on the basketball court. If you watch Jordan Poole playing a pickup game like outside uh, on the playground, you'd probably think Jordan Poole was – one of the rawest buckets you've ever seen. I mean, he can get hot. And we saw during the run to the finals what he could do on the court, man, making big clutch shots. Um, And at his best is a really good offensive creator, uh, a really good scorer, a really good perimeter bucket. But uh, there's just too many lapses, in in my opinion, Carson. There's too many uh, lapses of engagement. There's too many – there's too much erratic play. Um, and personally, I think Jordan Poole is one of the most frustrating players in the NBA for me to watch. Uh, I watch a lot of Dubs basketball. I think at their apex, the Warriors play really beautiful basketball. And Jordan Poole is uh, one of the most frustrating pieces of that sometimes just because he uh, is prone to making bad decisions. He's prone to uh, getting down on himself. You saw during this playoff run, he misses a couple shots, puts his head down, and just doesn't play super winning basketball and specific to this playoff run didn't really carry the non-Steph minutes is why they paid him that big contract right after the title run oh this is our spark plug this is our bench guy when Steph isn't out there on the court he's going to fill it up for us he's going to make good decisions he's going to make the bench unit work 
Chris Paul is actually going to come in and do that. You know, he's a great table setter. He's still a great decision maker. He's going to be able to run pick and roll at a high level. Um, you know, Chris Paul isn't a perfect asset at this age, Carson. We've discussed this uh, many times. I don't think Chris Paul is a great defender uh, at this point in his career. Uh, is just not as mobile as he once was. Isn't a great perimeter shooter. Uh, isn't going to space the floor like he once could. Isn't going to score at the clip he, he used to. He just doesn't create the separation and get the space uh, like he used to used to back when he was in his prime uh, has that one shot from the elbow that he turns to which is bread and butter but that's about all he's got at this point in his career so I like it I think it's an improvement I think it gives the Warriors flexibility moving uh, forward down the road I, I do wish that maybe they'd explored doing this uh, earlier though Carson um, and what I mean by that is you know, I don't know if they're going to move off of Jonathan Kaminga as well. I still think they need wing depth and more role players down this roster. Uh, I don't think they're complete and ready to go out and win a title right now. I still think there are moves that need to be done. But you do have to look at this in a bit of hindsight. You know, they move off of James Wiseman for a handful of seconds and Gary Payton the second. Now they move off another young asset in Jordan Poole. If they move off Kaminga at negative value or value where it's less than what they would have received, you just you just do look at the opportunity cost and you wonder what could have been. You know, did they miss out on a title or two if they don't get it done this year uh, with a new core? But in terms of just this trade, looking at this, yeah, Chris Paul's old. Yeah, Chris Paul isn't what he once was, but I think he's an improvement over Jordan Poole just because he's super stable. He's a good decision maker. He's a veteran, and most importantly. Chris Paul needs and wants to win, man. This is this is another chance for Chris Paul to finally catch that elusive ring that he's been chasing for so long. So first things first, the reason that this trade is possible as constructed is because we're still operating under the old CBA, which means that the Celtics can take on 125% of the cap value compared to what they're sending out. So Muscala... Gallinari, Smart, all together is like $29 million in value next year. And KP is like $36 million. So under the new CBA, that number is only going to be 110%. It wouldn't work with those exact contracts, but it does for now. And the Celtics are taking advantage. And in terms of my feelings about the trade itself, it's a really interesting move. Because this is a strange fit for CP3. He is an incredibly pick and roll heavy still at this point kind of guy who is going to dictate the flow of the game while he's in not a good off ball player and I think that's part of the reason that we saw the Phoenix offense not really suffer at all in his absence because when you're putting the ball in the hands of more dynamic creators because of their scoring and playmaking potential like Book and KD CP3 can become a bit redundant then he is to me at this point a defensive liability like you said but I also think you touched on the key area where he's going to bring value those non-Steph minutes that have been an issue for years and in these playoffs were one of the primary issues that held the Warriors back they were plus 47 in minutes when Steph was on the floor they were minus 49 without him Title run, they were a dominant team with him on the floor, plus 121. Without him, they were able to survive those minutes, but still minus 10. And absolutely, Poole was not composed enough. He was not the level of decision maker and facilitator and all-around creator that they needed him to be to survive those non-Steph minutes. So CP3 brings real value there. This guy, even with his athletic regression, even not having had his best shot-making season from some of his signature areas because of his playmaking brilliance, 
because of his pace out of the pick and roll, his ability to snake his way into that mid-range area, to make every pocket pass, to hit the rollers perfectly, to find shooters so consistently. He was an 81st percentile pick and roll creator when you include passes. That alone is a significant upgrade. It will make the non-Steph minutes much more tenable. But I do think we have to acknowledge some of the real limitations that you have with him here. Like one in every 40 field goal attempts last year from Chris Paul came at the rim. He does not have the athletic tools to get all the way downhill and really to finish there when he does. And he did have regression as a floater range, mid-range shooter this year, which is what made him so devastating in previous playoff runs, his ability against drop coverage to get to those spots and to make them with almost layup efficiency. He went from a 52% mid-range shooter last year to a 48% mid-range shooter this year. Still very good, but the bigger drop-off was 60% from inside the paint, but outside the restricted area, that short jumper floater range to just 49%. But he still is a good creator against second units. He's just not the kind of top 30 guy that he was. The kind of guy who you can look at and say, when he really wants to, he can give us 20 consistently he is better than pool he does fill a need but he is also an awkward fit and there are going to be matchups in which he's hunted defensively and he's just not fitting in offensively to the warriors motion heavy scheme so i think he makes them slightly better i do not think he launches them into that tier one of title contention and i do think there's a world in which the warriors really regret this because Chris Paul is not getting any better. He has concretely regressed and is 38 years old. And Jordan Poole, I agree, has tons of flaws and was not good in this playoff run by any stretch of the imagination. He was a bad decision maker. He was horribly erratic as a shot maker. He really struggled to get to the rim. He was terrible defensively. He was unplayable in too many spots if you were trying to win a title. I do think, though, we can't just ignore the level of basketball skill that he possesses, the pull-up jump shooting and ball handling and the flashes of the playmaking. Like, he was a vital, efficient, important secondary creator on a title team just two years ago. And yes, he's entering a very big contract, but the guy is young and there is totally potential that he refines some of these big issues that have plagued him. It's also worth noting that he just had a brutal perimeter shooting stretch. And for a great perimeter shooter, 25% from deep in the playoffs, yeah, that alone is going to ding his value a bunch, not even mentioning the other things, but you shouldn't expect that to continue whatsoever. So maybe the bottom line is just right now, CP3 is better, but in a year, Jordan Poole, I could see us viewing as the better basketball player. And there's just the dynamic of what you mentioned. The Warriors trying to balance this two timeline approach for so long when you think about what they could have had right when they had just drafted James Wiseman and his many issues had not been exposed on an NBA stage there was talk about building packages around him and the first rounder they had the next year that would turn into Jonathan Kaminga for a Bradley Beal for a Pascal Siakam even at this deadline there was talk of a Kuminga for OG Anunobi based package or maybe you could build a pool for OG Anunobi package so just when you think about what could have been 
with all of these guys who are elevating your ceiling to another level than Chris Paul, who are filling more obvious needs, right? Poole would have been a star second creator. Excuse me. Beal would have been a star second creator. OG Ananobi would have been this awesome high-level 3 and D wing. CP3 is a disappointing asset to get out of all of this bottom line. Like, if the Wizards waived him, Logan, and he entered the buyout market, nobody would have batted an eye. And the Warriors are giving up a guy who was, yes, on a bad contract, yes, very flawed, but also very legitimately talented. So maybe the only thing that matters to them and to Mike Dunleavy taking over that GM job is that they get better right now. And I do think that CP3 does that. But within the full context, it is a bit painful, I think. I mean, is there anything else after the Steph Clay Draymond core. I mean, we're going to be launched into a full rebuild. I guess there's value in having guys around from the original core that you can build around, but I'm I'm all for like you said, so I just I. wish but they could have I done just it wish, so much better. No, no, no. I, 100% that's what I'm saying is I just wish they had done this earlier because again, if they don't get it done this next year, we're going to be looking back, did they miss out on one or two rings? That's a real question that we'll have. I think unequivocally, I think Jordan Poole is going to be the better player in a year or two, right? Chris Paul has just reached that point in age where we're going to see that steep decline at some point in terms of uh, just complete mobility, complete scoring. Uh, let me ask you this. I mean, what, do you see like a world where Jordan Poole is a, a a legitimate star? Do you ever see a world where he's actually worth like the value of his contract? Like what's the apex that you could see out of Jordan Poole in a new situation? Well, I think there are certain limitations that he has where he is not going to ever be a sort of rim pressure downhill threat. I don't know that he's ever going to be a great playmaker, although I do think he shows flashes that maybe he could be a good one. His pull-up jump shooting ceiling is very high. He's got to be more consistent than he was this past season. And I don't think he's going to be a plus defender. So I don't know that he's going to be a star. I don't think he's ever going to likely be a guy who is driving winning but again in the sort of role that he filled for the Warriors a couple years ago providing those important sparks of offense bringing his value as a catch and shooter and pull-up shooter I think Jordan Poole is going to be very productive in a situation like Washington now is he going to be efficient is it going to matter in a winning context I'm not super confident in that but I think it's a win for the Wizards no matter what because you don't care about his contract. I mean, you've got nobody on the books. You are starting from scratch. Chris Paul meant nothing to you, and you're getting a talented guy. So I think of all the deals that the Wizards have made in the last week, this is the best one. And even though you don't really care about those draft assets, you'll take a first rounder in 2030. Maybe. It's top 20 protected. The other angle that I do think is a favorable one for the Warriors here is the potential to help the relationship with Draymond here just given the issues that he and Poole had in the preseason obviously and I think he will have respect and appreciate the value of bringing in a veteran proven winner like Chris Paul and it does have that like real commitment to this window win now feel to it because I think they need to bring back Draymond I just think he is so essential to their defensive identity so incredibly valuable running a bunch of the offensive actions that empower Steph fully off ball out of pick and roll as the short roll decision maker if they don't bring back Draymond 
I, I do not see a title window for this team. So I like the CP3 move from that angle. Yeah, neither do I. I mean, I think this team's best perimeter defender is probably Andrew Wiggins at this point. But when you look at complete value, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, are, are the Warriors an above average offense without Draymond? I mean, that is his singular impact. Like, he takes them from maybe league average to one of the best defenses on the court when he's out there. He's uh, one of the best help side rim protectors in basketball, one of the smartest defenders in NBA history. And honestly, Carson, I can't see him in any other uniform than uh, a a warrior one. It's going to mess me up if he leaves. Like when I think Golden State basketball, you know, I think, I think Steph and then I think Draymond, like Mm -hmm. he's foundational in terms of uh, what they built. And then he's, he's just, they need him. They are going to be a bad defense without Draymond next season. He is imperative to this team running it back for a championship. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, I hope he comes back and I hope this can mend the relationship or help. Uh, Are there any other moves on the horizon that you uh, envision for Golden State? I mean, I think that was a big part uh, of Dunleavy coming in. I don't think they wanted to blow up this core um, with Bob Myers still in there. Like, are there other moves that you anticipate the Warriors uh, making before the end of the offseason? Well, I think, unfortunately for them, Dante DiVincenzo is probably going to walk. And so I don't know that there's anything splashy that they're going to be able to pull off. I mean, a lot of the stars who were on the market are now being moved with Porzingis, with Bradley Beal. And really the only other movable asset for the Warriors just in terms of like being a big enough size contract to make stuff work I don't think they want to give up Wiggins and Clay is going to be an expiring I don't know that you're turning him into any sort of positive value so I think it's going to be about rounding out those last couple wing spots with whatever role players you can convince to come to Golden State but no I don't think that there's anything else that's splashy that's going to happen down the line here this is it we've got an amex platinum pro on our hands ladies and gentlemen we haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the centurion lounge (sighs) is he connecting to complimentary wi-fi oh my look at that he is and you will not believe where he's going next the amex dedicated card member entrance for the win unbelievable when you get travel perks with amex platinum you're part of the action that's the powerful backing of american express terms apply learn more at americanexpress.com slash with amex what's up i'm john wall and i'm cj toledano and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called point game we're now joined by three-time nba six man of the year elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think he could have took it all I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. Like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what so, I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because it ain't it? <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Let's talk about the other big trade of the last two days. The Boston Celtics get Kristaps Porzingis, a 2023 first rounder that will be the number 25 pick, and a 2024 first rounder that is originally Golden State's top four protected. The Wizards get Tyus Jones, Danilo Gallinari, Mike Muscala, and a second rounder this year, the 35th pick. And the Memphis Grizzlies get Marcus Smart. Let's start with the Celtics angle here, Logan. What do you think of KP heading to Boston? One, I just want to say I have no idea how the new like uh, cap thing is working. I have no idea how these teams are able to execute these trades with the apron or how all this works. Um, so I'm kind of confused as to how Boston was able to pull this off, but... Uh, I love it. I mean, you're getting a guy who can legitimately space the floor, who can be a plus defensively, I think, if you play him um, at the four of the five. I mean, KP is going to be frustrating in just terms of physicality, but he's a major improvement from Al Horford, right? Horford, during this last playoff run, couldn't hit water if he was standing on a dock, man. Like, when he put up a three, you knew it wasn't going in. He shot sub-30% from deep in the playoffs last year. KP is not going to have that problem. My one issue with KP, and I know everybody's pointed this out, I mean, I think you have to, is KP going to be available for the playoffs, right? I mean, the mm-hmm. biggest thing about Christoph Porzingis is just staying healthy and staying on the court. So, I mean, that's just my one concern. I don't believe he's, I mean, he's always hovering around 60 games played. Uh, KP, when he is on the court, is a plus. He is a deadly shooter, can just shoot over everybody, can also shoot from range. Like, mm-hmm. Porzingis is one of the greatest shooting big men of all time. And defensively, super long, uh, super versatile. You can play him at the four or the five. I think he can coexist with Rob Williams. I think you can slide him to the five spot in smaller lineups, let him space the floor in that way. Uh, And and like I said, I think it's a definite improvement. I also don't know how they got two first-round picks in this. I Mm -hmm. think that's a a steal as well for Boston. They should be able to get a couple of really good role players, um, or at least a really good role player with that 25th pick in this year's draft because I think there are going to be some guys that are – immediately plug and play potential on the wings for them at that spot Uh, so I think this is a home run for the Celtics you get a legitimate third star uh, you get another piece which you can use for bench depth I think Porzingis is a massive improvement uh, over the likes of a guy like Al Horford my sole concern is just Porzingis staying healthy and being available come playoff time because that's always been the story about Porzingis but he had a a legitimately good season with the Wizards last year, Mm -hmm. defensively and offensively. This is the happiest, most engaged, and just best Porzingis that I've seen uh, in a long time. So I hope they're getting that guy. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think this is a home run trade for Boston. I love it, dude. I think that giving up Marcus Smart is obviously painful just when you consider the consistent energy and heart that he has brought to that team how long he's been there and just a very good basketball player but I think we saw that there were some real redundancies with the Celtics roster last year I don't think that they needed all three members of that guard core and smart is the most valuable he's probably the best 
but there were stretches of the season where Derek White was the best. And I think that there were plenty of nights where Malcolm Brogdon was the best, right? All of those guys are perfectly capable pick and roll creators, perfectly capable shooters. White is a very high level defender. So I think it's more important that they add a, to me, a better, more talented player in Kristaps Porzingis, but also a guy who provides some essential versatility offensively because the biggest issue for Boston was really that they did not reach the same defensive level that they did in their finals run. And that was what killed them too many lapses on that end of the floor. But also it was offensively their lack of variety, their tendency to stagnate, to become really reliant on pull-up jump shooting or this sort of monotonous dribble penetration, one pass, catch and shoot, and they could just be drawn into these lulls, Tatum and Brown not being consistently great enough as playmakers, and at times running offense through them over and over again was not a very good option. Porzingis just had an awesome season, dude. And I think one of the biggest progressions in his game since going to Washington is him really developing his post-up game. He was an 88th percentile post-up scorer this year. Also had a phenomenal shooting season from beyond the arc, near 39%. And had one of his better defensive seasons since before all of his injuries. Like, held opposing players 11% below their average field goal percentage inside of six feet. So if you are getting secondary rim protection from him, if you are getting high-level floor spacing, deadly pick-and-pop game, a more aggressive Porzingis, a more effective mismatch attacking Porzingis out of the post. I just think there's a whole lot to like there. He is a legitimate upgrade for me at an important position when you consider the flaws that both Al Horford and Robert Williams have. Like it felt that there were spots in this playoff run where either one of them could be unplayable. Like maybe it was Rob just because of his utter lack of floor spacing. When Al wasn't shooting the ball well, there were certain matchups in which he sort of got targeted defensively because he's not quite as switchable as he used to be. So to have an option in that front court and of course just the availability concern, right? Robert Williams being hurt a lot. Al Horford being an old guy who doesn't want to have to carry a heavy load minutes wise. KP is a guy who has some injuries, obviously, throughout his career. This was his healthiest season in a long time, though, which is promising at the very least. It makes a ton of sense. I think it's a great deal for them. And I think they are arguably the most talented team in the league. I mean, that's the conversation they were in all of this past season. This, to me, only makes them more talented, more versatile, more dynamic. And getting the two first-rounders is just like an unbelievable win on top of this what about the grizzlies obviously as they continue to try to get themselves over the hump how do you like them adding marcus smart no i like it you need another uh, another guard slash kind of wing piece smart can slot in at the one the two uh, or the three in smaller uh, lineups you know after moving on from dylan brooks he's a much better player obviously uh but yeah i mean i think he's i think memphis is trying to get back to they still want to be gritty. They still want to be grimy. And uh, Marcus is one gritty and grimy guy, man. He's going to fit in right in with these guys. I think they're going to be one of the best defenses in the league last year. I mean, you're getting one of the best interior rim protection forces, right? Jaron Jackson Jr., one of the best defensive players on the planet last season. Uh, now you've got Marcus Smart as a really uh, helpful point of attack guy. Um, it's weird, though. I mean, it 
it's still not addressing the Memphis Grizzlies' biggest need, right? It's not like they needed more defense. This team with Ja, without Ja, has always been a great um, defensive team, right? They've always been able to right the ship with Ja or without him on the court defensively and offensively. So uh, bringing in Marcus helps. I especially think with Ja's suspension that you're going to need a legitimate point guard who can run your offense. That's something that Marcus Smart has improved in uh, throughout his time in Boston. He's become a legitimately dependable playmaker, a guy who can not always get downhill and finish at the rim, but in certain games and in certain matchups was the Boston Celtics' best rim pressure and best guy at getting downhill during the playoff runs. He's going to help when Ja is out on the court, and then when Ja comes back, can slide in as that two guard, the secondary initiator and creator. I still don't think it addressed uh, Memphis's biggest issue, which is half-court creation, half-court scoring. Uh, Smart will help playmaking. Smart will help getting downhill. He doesn't really help space the floor like that. I still think Memphis, to be a legitimate contender, needs another dependable, high-volume, half-court scorer, like Mm go-to bucket getter. Even though Ja is great, I still think they're missing that guy to be in genuine contention. But this helps their defense. This helps with Ja's suspension. And uh, Marcus is a winning asset through and through, man. He's a dog. And I also think he was a little bit expendable in Boston, too, because I think Derek White was the better player throughout this season. Um, It is intriguing to me, though, Carson, looking back at Boston. They have to trade Brogdon now, right? Like, I know the injury concerns are real for other teams, but I don't get how you include that guy in trade deals. And they're just like, oh, no. Come on back, I don't Malcolm. think you trade Brogdon. I, I mean, I think he's better. They like but... having the two legit true guards alongside the Jays. Well, no, it's just weird that how you got to mend that relationship. Oh, yeah, come on back, Malcolm. We weren't going to trade you. Um, yeah. That's interesting to me. But uh, I think this is an improvement for Memphis. But I, to me, it doesn't like really elevate them to like true contender status or even take them out of the tier that they're currently in. I agree, and it definitely is unfortunate to have to give up a couple first and Tyus Jones, who I think is like the consensus best backup point guard in the league. Just such an awesome decision maker, really good from that floater range, good shooter, one of the smartest players in the NBA, no doubt. I do think that Smart is a bit better because of his two-way impact, but it's not significant. So this is definitely not enough to like erase my biggest concerns about Memphis, which is half court creation, which is the consistency with which triple J can reach that upper echelon as a bucket getter for himself, as an offensive weapon that they need him to the overall shooting ceiling smart is a guy who's going to be erratic there. So I feel similarly about Memphis to how I did. And I think this is a bit of an overpay for them getting involved in all this. For the Wizards, it's a strange package. Like, really, at the end of the day, it's Tyus Jones and an early second rounder is all that you care about. And I guess you can have the perspective of, well, KP could have walked for nothing. And so you got something out of him. How do you feel about this for them? No, that's easy. I texted my friend who's a Wizards fan. Um... After the first trade had reportedly gone through, he texted me, oh my God, I hate the Wizards. And I said, oh bro, wait, cheer up, cheer up. The trade didn't go through. And then we got the details of the second one and it was, damn bro, I hate the Wizards. Uh, <laughs> but I, he explained it to me too, exactly like that. Uh, Porzingis was going to walk anyway. We needed to recoup some assets for him. And that's how I view it. Uh, you could have gotten nothing. You end up getting a really dependable, either 
bench point guard or starting point guard, depending on what you want to do with your rotation. I know initially I had also heard that Peyton Pritchard was included in this deal. I was really excited at the uh, prospect of that. Uh, I don't think he was. Really, I, I think it was Peyton Pritchard gets you excited. Well, I mean, just that, like he'd have an opportunity to actually go play somewhere. You know, I don't well, think he's he like was a... demanding trades. So yeah, he certainly wants it. Um, yeah, this is a. If you're just looking at terms of assets, yeah, this is a loss for Washington. I was hoping that they were one of the teams that had gotten a first-round pick. But, uh, yeah, you could have lost Porzingis for nothing. So you get a dependable point guard, and that's a win of itself. Like, Tyus is a really—he's a legitimately good player who's going to be a good rotational piece for Washington uh, for the next couple of years, hopefully. So it's not a complete zero. But, no, obviously I don't love the trade for Washington, and I— overall do not love the assets that they have recouped for uh, their three best players, right? Kuzma walks for Porzingis. They get pennies on the dollar for Beal. It feels like they get pennies on the dollar. So not a money rebuild, but I, I guess you got something, Washington. Here's a participation trophy. Yeah, Tyus Jones is really good, but he's 27. They're going to have to pay him after this year if they want to keep him. It's just not a needle mover for me whatsoever. So I think it's very disappointing to get zero firsts for Porzingis or Beal. I understand why both of their value was lower than their caliber as just basketball players in a vacuum would suggest. But they do make up some of that with the fact that I legitimately like getting Jordan Poole for Chris Paul. Again, if they had just waived CP3, I would have been like, all right, that makes sense. What the hell are they going to do with him? So... In totality, they've chosen a direction. They've added a couple quality basketball players. They got a bunch of second round picks to their names. The pick swaps with Phoenix. It's not great, but we'll see what can materialize from that. And it is interesting. Now we look eighth pick in the draft tonight. Again, we're going to be live for that with Colin Cowherd. Jason Timpf will be joining us at the start. Super excited for that. You can watch it all on the volume YouTube page. We've talked a lot about them needing to add that like dynamic backcourt piece and highlighting Anthony Black as a really logical choice accordingly. Now, uh, maybe your backcourt now is a bit more set than your frontcourt. And so it'll be interesting to see how that could change their direction for tonight. So we will be talking about that and all other things draft as we've mentioned. It's a big day for us here because it's a big day in the NBA. So if you enjoyed this, as always, please subscribe to the Volume YouTube page if that's where you're watching. You can also listen to the pod across all audio platforms. And you can follow us on social media, TikTok, Instagram, at NerdSesh, Twitter, at Nerd underscore Sesh. And you can join our Discord at the link tree in our bio across our social platforms. You can also buy our merch on the Volume Store. You can get yourself a hat just like this one you can get yourself a shirt you can get yourself a flag bunch of cool stuff up there hoodies so feel free to check that out if you want at the volume.com and with that as always i've been carson breber i've been logan camden and this was nerd sash
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.